Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, to today's program, and so glad that you have tuned in to Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado with you on this blistery, windy day. It's the 5th of of April, and pray that you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, wherever you're at. Uh, We even have those who listen in different parts of the world. We want to welcome you, and we pray that uh, the Lord blesses this next hour. I know that he will. As we talk about the things of the Lord, go to the word of the Lord as we go to him in prayer. So give me a call. You just heard that call-in number, 303-690-3000. Maybe perhaps you're new to Calvary Live. Maybe you just found it today. Calvary Live is a program where you, the listener, get to call in and ask questions and ask for prayer. And uh, we're here to minister to you and to encourage you and take you to the truth of God's Word to pray for you. So give me a call. we got all open lines right now. It's good to be able to grab one of those open lines early. And let's have the conversation uh, that is on your heart and on your mind. 303-690-3000, the call-in number. And then, as most of you know, that are regular listeners to Calvary Live, that there is the text line. It's a way for you to communicate your question or prayer request to us via text, texting only. Be safe when you are texting. And that is a 24-7 prayer line as well for you to text in a prayer request at any time, uh, day or night, and have people praying for you. The pastoral staff and prayer team at Calvary Church in Aurora, where Calvary our Grace FM originates. Um, and so use that resource and you know that people will be praying for you. But during the show, during this hour, uh, we will take those prayer requests as time allows. And uh, But we'd love for you to call and talk. It is really uh, the best way. It's it's uh, This is your show uh, for you to participate, to call, to ask those questions that are on your mind, maybe a Bible question or uh, maybe there's some confusion uh, that... Uh, you're experiencing concerning your walk with the Lord. Uh, maybe perhaps as we see the things going on all around us in the world, and it is, um, it seems like the world is at a boiling point. And uh, we certainly know what the Bible has to say about the days in which we are in. So give me a call. Love to talk to you. 303-690-3000, call-in number, and text line 720 Nine seven. I would put those in your contacts, and you can pull it up at any time. But I want to welcome all those who are listening live on Grace FM Colorado along the Front Range and up in the southern Wyoming, and then also Radio by Grace throughout uh, much of the country, many stations. Uh, we're so glad that you guys have joined us live. Give me a call. Love to hear from you guys. And then also other radio networks that have picked up Calvary Live, Hope FM, Truth FM on the East Coast, Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. Uh, You are a week delayed. That means simply that you get to call in and you get to um, 
ask your question or give your prayer request, and then it will play a, a week later on your radio station, your radio network that you're listening to. But uh, somebody will answer it, and we'll talk, and then you get to listen to it a week later. So give me a call, and let's talk about the things of the Lord. I do want to remind you, as most of you know, that we have Holy Week or Passion Week coming up starting on Sunday, which is uh, Palm Sunday, and then uh, during the week that leads up to uh, Good Friday, uh, Resurrection Weekend, uh, many churches will be having different services, maybe mundane Thursday, maybe a midweek uh, Good Friday service. And so I want to encourage you once again to invite somebody out to one of those services. Many churches are having extra services and accommodating for uh, those services on Good Friday and Resurrection Weekend. So invite somebody out to those services. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the churches in your community that will be given the gospel as we proclaim the greatest news ever declared in the history of mankind, and that is that the tomb is empty, and he is risen from the grave, and he's conquered sin and death. And it's such an incredible, incredible um, truth, the, the most glorious truth that we have, and we want to share it with others and invite somebody out because uh, we need to give the gospel. And it is the answer for our lives, for salvation, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and right relationship with the Father. As Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. He did the work. He paid the price. You know, we're no longer slave to sin. We're no longer um, a slave to the world, but we can be free from that, forgiven, washed clean, and then uh, knowing that we have a living hope through his resurrection, as Peter would write in his epistle. And so pray about who you might invite and um, be intentional. Invite them and uh, and just be praying for these services coming up. And uh, I'm looking forward to what we're doing here at Calvary Greeley uh, as we're having a good Friday and then a Saturday night at 6 and then three Sunday mornings at 8, 9, 30, and 11. So just wanted to uh, remind you of those things. Got a couple open lines, uh, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. And let's go to Texas, San Marcos, Leon's on line one. Good afternoon, good after, good day, and good evening. If wherever you are, to one and all, especially my young, the young man speaking to me, how, how was your day? Well, uh, my day is good, especially since you called me a young man. <laughs> so I appreciate you calling, Leon. Welcome to okay. Calvary Live. Okay. I missed you yesterday. I just missed it, but I figured I would call back because I got a, I got a, well, kind, of, it's kind of on my mind. First of all, sure. um, related to Jehovah's Witness, the Seventh-day Adventists, and the other Christian denominations, now, if we're all a part of the spiritual community, and the, the, our Father is speaking to everyone, how are, uh, how are they, because some people consider them as cults. So I'm trying to figure out, what are they excluded, or are they included? And how, how do we balance that in terms of our faith sharing with, uh, you know, part of the whole community, the whole spirit, our whole faithful, our whole faith and spiritual community? Yeah, and, you know, you're asking a question that is a very valid question, and, you know, there's really only one church. I, I'm going to remind you of 
uh, Peter's confession up at Caesarea Philippi. Remember that Jesus, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they came up with different answers. You know, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he got very personal and he said, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter, he would answer, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus would say, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So we see that the Lord uses the word church. Upon what rock? The rock of your confession, Peter, that I'm going to build my church. So those who come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died for our sins and rose again from the grave, then we're one body. And and Paul comes along saying that there's one body. There's really only one church. But within the church, of course, we have different denominations and, and different fractions. Now, you mentioned the Jehovah Witnesses. When you get into those who are of the cults, they proclaim another Jesus. They proclaim not the Jesus of the Bible, not uh, a Jesus who is eternal or divine. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. The Mormons believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, a created being. So they present a false Jesus. And and so those who believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came from God um, and eternal, the second person of the Trinity, that there is that one church. Now, you mentioned Seventh-day Adventists. Um, Dr. Walter Martin, who wrote um, The Kingdom of the Cults, uh, he mentioned that the Seventh-day Adventists, he didn't see them as necessarily a cult. There's some doctrinal problems, but um, but you know concerning the Sabbath and the Mark of the Beast and all of that, there are others that put them in that category as a cult, um, but uh, they, you know, it's presenting the right Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. We are one church, um, one body, uh, one spirit, even though there's different denominations, um, perhaps. But Paul kind of talks about that Christ is not divided in First Corinthians chapter 1, and, um, and Christ is the one that was crucified for us, and Christ is the one that we're built upon, you know, the foundation of Christ, uh, the confession of Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone of our faith. He stands in the midst of the church, Revelation chapter 1. And so that's kind of just a little bit uh, touching on the question that you're asking. Okay, well, I think I, I think you kind of clarified it. Now, here was something that, that, that people now have said to me. I was a baptized Catholic. I attend. I joined a, a one of the biggest Baptist churches because I, the, the pastor will catch his sermons. Really, really, I take a sermon. I, I internalize his sermons, and they really set me. They, they just capture me. So that's a member. Uh, so I joined the Baptist church. I attended. I attend Bible study in the Methodist church. So. Mm-hmm. The way I'm there, put that together, say people will say I need to get in one place and get in one one church and stay there because if you go where I'm the way I'm going, I can get confused. Now, I counter that by saying the reason I'm not following. Just never said you got to be a Presbyterian, Unitarian, or uh, uh, Catholicism, or Baptism, or Methodist. He never said that. He said follow my word, 
and obeyed the, the commandments. So I am following, I'm taking the best of each of them and I'm making my life better because yeah. I am getting my cultural and my spiritual connection from the message I received in the Baptist church. I've I, always I think, believed in Catholic. Yeah, uh, I, I think, Leon, Catholic. what you need to remember, Leon, is a church doesn't save you. Um, you know, I was mentioning 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and um, and I think this relates to what you were saying. Uh, Paul, he was he was addressing a problem. He said that some of you say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? But his point is that some were saying, we're of this group, we're of this group. And the the thing where you have to be careful in that is, you know, we're saved because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And I always make it very clear. Sometimes people ask me, I give an invitation for people to come to Christ, to, to um, come to salvation uh, at the end of each service. And the reason I do that is because I don't want people to think that listening to a Bible study that they got saved. Uh, but the thing is, it isn't a church that saves you. I think where you need to to be wise is is that you don't get confused if there's different, you know, doctrines and thoughts. Just pass everything through the Word of God, you know, because that's our final authority. And um, and I think it is good uh, for a believer to get uh, committed to a church. You know, that's their church where they can get involved, they can learn, they can serve in that church. There's nothing wrong with going to a Bible study over at this church. You know, you belong to that church or whatever the case may be. But I think that um, you, you need to be because, you know, one of the churches may be more liberal in their theology, and it may confuse the more, you know, a Methodist church more liberal, confuse you when you go to the Baptist church is more conservative. So you just want to be wise in that. Um, nothing inherently wrong and just filter everything through the Word word of God. And really, I think it's wise to get connected to a church where you're serving in that church, where you're supporting the believers, um, the the pastors, getting involved, you you know, the body of believers. But, you know, that's that's just my thought, and that's just uh, kind of uh, the direction um, that I try to encourage people to go to, get a home church, where you can get plugged in, but it doesn't mean you can't go to any other church. Leon, I appreciate it. we got some other callers, um, and I appreciate your feedback and your questions, and I'm glad you got a hold of me today. Hey, we got a um, couple open lines. I want to see where I'm at. 303-690-3000, the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897 is the text line. And uh, so send me a text, and... Grab one of those open lines if you got a question, and just talk about the things that are on your heart and mind. I'd love to hear from you. Jeff Figs from Calvary Chapel Greeley with you, as I usually am on Tuesday afternoon. Pray that you are blessed. Let's go to Noreen in Maryland. Noreen? Yes, Did sir, I say that good right? Evening. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. I just didn't remember your name. I'm so sorry. I was listening and... Uh... <laughs> it's it's Pastor Jeff Figs. Oh, Pastor Jeff. Good afternoon yes. to you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you so much for taking my call today. And I'd love for to listen to OPFM. Yeah, good. Good. 
wonderful station. Awesome, awesome. So, Pastor, um, Pastor Jeff, my question is, basically, I wanted to let you know, when I die, I would like to be cremated. So mm-hmm. is that a right thing to do or no, according to the Word of God? And also, if I even choose to be cremated, Pastor Jeff, will I yes. be um, caught up to meet the Lord in the year? Would I be changed from mortal yeah. to immortality? Yes, you're asking good questions. A lot of people sometimes will call and they will ask, is it okay to be cremated? And for some reason, there are those that are out there that tell them that you can't be cremated. If you're cremated, you're going to go to hell. And it's like, first of all, where is that in the Bible? And think about this, Noreen. You know, if you go to heaven, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You go to heaven. Can you imagine you're there before the Lord and the Lord says, oh, by the way, sorry, your family had you cremated, so you're going to have to now go to hell. That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. It's appointed once for man to die, then the judgment. It, it, it matters what you do in this life. And once you die, then a believer goes to heaven, and a non-believer goes um, to e- eternal judgment, to, to hell, and hell is very real. But the Bible doesn't say anything about being cremated, whether we can or not. And, you know, so cremation, a lot of people are cremated today because of the cost of burial, because of the cost of, of, of funeral expenses that gets into the thousands and thousands of dollars. And so cremation is a process that speeds up what, what you know, being put in the ground does. Uh, those saints that have been put in the ground for hundreds of years, you know, since uh, the, the, you know, beginning since 2,000 years, when Christ died, uh, those saints who are part of the church, their bodies have decla- decayed, and but yet God knows where all those atoms are. He knows where all those molecules are. Whether you're cremated or whether you decay or whether you're in a coffin, God will resurrect that believer uh, at the sound of the trumpet to have new heavenly bodies. So you don't need to worry about that. He holds everything in his hands. He knows exactly where those molecules are where those atoms are. And think about it. What about the Christians that were burnt at the stake? Um, You know, he knows um, where those molecules are. Um, So um, it's, you know, um, that's the decision that you've made as you make arrangements for when you pass along and, and, um, and the Bible doesn't prohibit it. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. I appreciate you this evening. Have a godless evening. Thanks. You too, Noreen. Thank you for calling. All right, we got, I believe, all open lines right now. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. I get asked that quite a bit about cremation, and and some people get very, very stressed, like they did something wrong with their loved one. The Bible doesn't speak about, you know, that it's wrong uh, for cremation, and it's just speeding up the process of, of what, you know, putting somebody in the ground. And um, so it, it's appointed once for man to die, then the judgment. And uh, we need to keep that all in mind and always uh, keep everything in uh, running it through the scriptures and what the scripture has to say. Hey, waiting for a caller, 303-690-3000, the call-in number. The text line, 720-336-0897. Um, I do have a prayer request. Somebody was uh, wanting prayer for... Uh, again, Ukraine, and we want to continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. 
Matter of fact, we do have a listener that um, listens in from Ukraine. So, Father, we do pray for, um, again, the situation in Ukraine. Um, I know those who are there that are helping uh, with relief, and there's so much to pray about. But to see the devastation and destruction and death, and, and it, it, Lord, it's, it's hard. Um, and so we pray for the war to end. We pray that, that the Russians would leave. Uh, we pray that, um, Lord, that the people would be able to get the supplies, medical help, food, uh, water, heat that they need. Um, Lord, families being separated, we ask for provision and, and help for those who are receiving the refugees coming over the border. Lord, we just pray for your mercy. We pray for your grace um, upon the Ukrainian people. And Lord, uh, we just pray uh, for this situation. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. All open lines, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line 720-336-097. Well, I got a minute um, waiting for the phone to ring, and, and we'll go to the text line. You can also text in uh, a question or a prayer request, so I'd love to, to talk to you. But I want to read to you, um, as it is Palm Sunday that's coming up on Sunday, and I want to read from Luke's Gospel that it tells us that as Jesus came up from up to Jerusalem, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and pray God, praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. And as we look at the uh, triumphal entry, and really his triumphal entry is in Revelation chapter 19, when he will come on a white horse and he comes with the armies of heaven, that's you and me. But we call this the triumphal entry because it's the first time that Jesus accepted public worship as he came into Jerusalem riding lowly on the back of a colt. And here he is riding on that colt down the Mount of Olives into the city. Now, Matthew, all four Gospels record the triumphal entry. And Matthew's Gospel says that the city was moved. Uh, That word moved is where we get our word seismic. I mean, a large multitude was coming out of the city to meet Jesus. A large multitude had followed Jesus up from the Jordan Valley uh, up to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem had never seen anything like it before. And I, I imagine that the Roman soldiers are there as they're they're watching all of this. They're kind of snickering. You know, this is your Messiah. This is uh, your king that comes riding on the back of a uh, of a, a donkey. Um, and they're probably just laughing about that. And, and then the religious leaders, uh, as the soldiers were snickering, the religious leaders, they're angry. And they said, tell your disciples, be silent because we know that they were ascribing to him the title of Messiah, and so were the people as they're waving the palm branches and laying down their clothes and crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and uh, as Jesus said that, um, I tell you, if, if these should keep silent, the very stones would immediately cry out. And, and he would go on and he wept over Jerusalem. As you read the following verses there in Luke's narrative, and he says that you did not know the time of your visitation, 
we know that it was a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, but also fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9, as Daniel talks about when the coming of Messiah the Prince would come. And um, it's an amazing fulfillment of those two prophecies given in the Old Testament. But Jesus, as he came into Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem twice in Luke's gospel and then also in Matthew's gospel. He would weep as he would say, how I long to gather you to myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing um, and you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so he wept twice over over Jerusalem. But here's the thing to remember in the day in which we're in, because we can get very upset and we can get very angry as we see the things that are going on around us. And, um, and it concerns us as we see lawlessness and injustice, as we see um, the things that are being embraced that are so ungodly, um, you know, just different things that are taking place. And we do say, Maranatha, come, Lord. We do we do long for you to come back for your church. We long for you to come and establish your kingdom, which he will do. But in the meantime, we weep. And, and I pray that our hearts are soft towards people. Jesus wept, even though he knew that they would be crying out a few days from that time. They're cheering, they're, they're waving the palm branches. Uh, but then a few days later, they're crying out, crucify him. And he wept. And just as Jeremiah brought in the Old Testament the prophecies uh, there uh, that were very difficult, that they would go into captivity. And he spoke about death, destruction, and devastation that would come to Jerusalem. He was known as the weeping prophet. Uh, Isaiah would weep over the prophecies that he gave uh, to uh, the people of God. And may we weep as well as we see what's going on, people being held captive, uh, people being involved in sin, their eyes are blinded, and uh, we want to be able to give that message of that Jesus Christ, that he is truly the Messiah that came to free us. Because, you see, they were expecting to be freed from Rome at that time. That's why they were waving the palm branches. They were expected uh, to, to sky to open up. Luke's Gospel says they were expecting the kingdom of God to immediately be ushered in as Jesus was making that ascent up to Jerusalem. But he was going to free them from something that was the greatest need, and that is to free them from sin. There was a greater need than to be freed from Rome, and that is sin. And he's come and done that. And that's the message that we want to give to others. And that's something that we want to talk to others about, because that is the hope. And we should weep as we see people that are you know, involved in sin, they're involved in carnality, their eyes are blinded to the truth, and we need to be praying for our communities. We need to be sharing with those that we can. Hey, I still got all open lines, so give me uh, give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line 720-336-0897. And you can ask questions or prayer requests, and we'd love to, to be able to do that. We're getting ready to go to break, so this is a good time for you to grab one of those open lines and let's talk about the things of the Lord. Again, this is your show. This is an opportunity for you to call. And I pray that you would consider taking the time to do that. A text line, again, if you want to text in a question or a prayer request, is 720-336-0897. And as we go to break, it's the only break of the show. And we'll be right back for the second half of that. But in the meantime, uh, give me a call. Grab one of those open lines. Love to talk with you 
and just share with you. And, and um, if we don't get any calls, I'll be sharing the things that the Lord has put on my heart to encourage you and to bless you. But it's a very special time for Christians right now as we enter into Holy Week uh, beginning on Sunday. It's a special time for us to minister to others, and it's a very special time for us to to reflect on what Jesus did for us. I pray that we never, never just um, just have it be mundane to us. What Jesus did, Christ crucified, the freest from sin. So you hear the music, grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, and we're going to be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Jeff Biggs at Calvary Chapel Greeley in beautiful northern Colorado with you on this windy day in, in the April. For those of you who may be listening in other parts of the country this is not unusual for us to get the winds, and uh, it's part of our spring. It's like the weather can't make up its mind, and uh, but we do pray for moisture as well as we're dry, and uh, we uh, depend on the moisture here. And the water is our most most you know important resource that we have here in Colorado. So um, we just you know it's important for us to get the moisture. And, uh, and then the wind comes up and dries things out, and of course, fire concerns. So, just keep us in prayer. And and uh, I know that the West we're experiencing a lot of drought, and there is drought in our nation spiritually. So, I'm so glad to be with you to to share with you the Word of God, to be able to encourage you and pray with you. Um, we had all open lines at the as we went to break, and now they're all full. So, I thank you for calling. So, let's. Don't waste any more time. Let's go to Greg in Aurora. Greg? Hello, yes. <laughs> Hello, Thanks Pastor. for calling. How are you? Um, doing okay, you? I'm doing great. Thank you for calling. <laughs> well, I, I, it's like this. I found a church um, that's American, and I won't mention the nationality after that word or the church name. But um, it, they seem to have the Word of God, right? Very nice people. Um, I myself am an Irish American, um, whatever. Um, and they get down to uh, wanting to be a member of this, and they have a covenant paper they want people to sign. And it's almost, uh, you know, that allows them a few things. Actually, didn't did not read the whole thing. I suddenly became disinterested, which may be a sign for me. But yeah. um, I mean. <laughs> As brothers and sisters all help each other anyways, aren't we just under a covenant with God already? And so, you know, because it's word, and words weigh something to God, and they matter, and he cares what comes out of our mouth and what we write down and, you know, holds holds us accountable. But I'm not sure about this covenant theory, if that's completely godly or not. Well, you you know, I've heard of churches doing that that particularly emphasize membership. They'll have membership classes, and then you sign a covenant. Um, and 
you know, I've never seen one of those covenants. I guess, first of all, it would depend what's in the covenant, um, you know, and how strict it is, you know, um, and, you know, uh, but as I look at the scriptures, I don't see that in the scriptures where the Christians had to sign a covenant. We do have a covenant with the Lord. And I think that sometimes churches do that because it makes it easier for church discipline. Uh, some churches are, you know, really it can be into that or emphasize that. Um, but, you know, if you're not comfortable here at Calvary Chapel, we don't have a formal membership. If you're a believer in a body, you know, part of the body of Christ and come, uh, this is where you come regularly. This is where you serve. Uh, this is where you um, support, you know, <clears throat> you're a part of the church, but we don't have a sign of covenant. We don't have membership classes, um, but some churches, they have done that. And, um, you know, I've never been one that um, has been, um, you know, I've had people you know, say, well, you should have a membership or you should have them sign a covenant, you know, and it's always for discipline problem. You know, you know, you can discipline. Well, here's the thing about the, we got so many churches, you know, in Greeley that if somebody wanted to leave, they could leave and go to another church. It was different than like the church of Corinth. There was one church and uh, where they had to have discipline, but you know, if you're not comfortable signing the covenant or whatever, you know, you can talk to them about it. But, you know, I've never been a big proponent of, of covenants and, you know, memberships and all that. But I, I just don't yeah, see it yeah. in the New Testament. Well, so, I listen to the uh, Christian radio all the time. And since Grace started, I think I've been listening to it that long. Um, it's just been basically too busy in my life to actually join a church. And now I'm in a position where I'm older and it's, you know, 20 years of pastor, 10 years, whatever. Yeah. And I'm uh, looking to serve somewhere and I've done some service for these guys, but I, I don't think I'm going to join um, with this in mind. I, I believe I'm feeling that it's um, an honesty and a trust issue versus People that do like professional interventions, maybe for drug and alcohol or marriage problems or stuff like that, and you know they yeah. have Christian therapists for that. My cousin's one, and mm-hmm. so I'm. Yeah, it's it's really hard to comment on it. You know when you know I haven't seen the covenant or anything like that, and you know they're they're you know one of the the other side of the spectrum. What I was talking about is that um, you know when the church grows and it gets bigger. It's so hard to know everybody, and you know people can come in and they can sit. They could be living in all kinds of sin, and so church discipline um, becomes a lot more harder and difficult. Uh, but you know, signing a covenant is for the believer that you know this is your responsibility, this is your accountability, and I think that you just need to read it and um, see what you're comfortable with, but. You know, something that we don't have here and never had and don't have a formal membership. You know, if you come in church and you support it, you're a member of our church. Yeah. Yes, I know, like, uh, for instance, uh, a, a covenant-controlled community, like a condominium complex or something, I get that. But I don't get yeah. it where it comes to a church, really. Yeah, it, I, it almost yeah. sounds old-school Catholic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't know, but I know that churches throughout, you know, denominations have done that before. And, 
And um, I just, you know, as I look at the New Testament, I don't see it there in the New Testament with the churches where they signed the covenant. So just pray about it, and, you know, the Lord will guide you in that, Greg, okay? All right. Thank you, sir. Um, God bless you guys. You bet. 303-690-3000 calling number. Now we got an open line. So grab one of those open lines, the text line, 720-336-0897. Some people listen, are all for that in churches, and, you know, that's the way they want to do things. That's really between them and the Lord, um, and, you know, and there's reasons why they do that. So um, you just got to kind of uh, go with what you're comfortable with and what it says and where the church is going and and all of that. Let's go to Arlene in Greeley. Arlene? Yes. You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Hi. How are you? you? I'm good. And um, I've called a couple of different times, and I love this whole hour that you guys do. Um, Thank you. The the question that I have um, right now is, when and how did our hearts become wicked? Because in Jeremiah, what is it, Jeremiah 17, 9, it talks Mm -hmm. about, how evil our hearts are, and even in Genesis talks about our hearts are evil from their youth. When did our hearts become evil, and how did that happen? Well, I think it's speaking of that we're born with the sin nature. Um, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And, of course, kind of that rhetorical question of the Lord's the only one that can know it. When Solomon was dedicating the temple— he says that the Lord is the only one that really knows the heart. I think that we need to understand because what the world comes along and says, follow your heart, right? Just, you know, that person's got a good heart or whatever. But the Bible says there's there's a problem here, and that is that our hearts are deceitful and, and desperately wicked. It's speaking of that sin nature. And so when we come to Christ and and— there's regeneration that happens, and one of my favorite verses in the scripture is when Paul talks about in Second Corinthians chapter five that behold, all things become new. We're a new creature in Christ, um, and because regeneration takes place, and we have a new heart because we're born again by the Spirit of God. So Jeremiah is just touching on the fact that we're sinners, and that you know, don't follow your heart if you're worldly. You don't know the Lord. It's worldly. It's deceitful. We want to have the heart of the Lord. So that's what it's speaking about. God is the one that knows the heart. And uh, but the world comes along and says, "Follow your heart. Live your own life. You know, do your own thing." Uh, man, we need to be, we need to be changed, born again by the Spirit of God. We need that new heart that He puts in us. Um, regeneration taking place and having a heart for God. So that's simply what it's saying. But what about Adam and Eve? Were they did they have evil in their hearts, or did it Not come until, after Satan? It, it came after they sinned, they, after the fallen nature. When God created, you know, everything was good, and they didn't. You know, God said, "Don't eat of that tree, or you shall surely die." Adam hadn't seen death; he didn't know what death was, um, and then he sinned. And because he sinned, there was the fall then the, um, the fall of man, and because we're all descendants of Adam, uh, that we have that sin nature that we were born with. And sometimes people don't like that. They don't like to hear that, but that's what the Bible declares, is that 
through one man, Romans chapter 5, Adam, sin and death came into the world. But through the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that uh, life came to us. And, and life comes as we're born again by the Spirit of God and have a new heart. So we're born with that that sin nature, and we're born sinners, and that's why we need to come to Christ. Okay, and but they still had the freedom to choose. And mm-hmm. so when they chose to sin, that's basically when our we have that's when we ended up with a, a sin nature. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that was the fall of the world and because we're descendants of Adam and what'll help you is read Romans chapter 5 and Paul explains that. He says through one man Adam sin and death came into the world because we're all descendants of Adam. So we're all born with this sin nature. And I remember um, there was somebody that um, was a family member that they had a little baby. They're not a believer. And they didn't like that. We were explaining the gospel to them that we're all born sinners. And they're like, are you saying that my little baby who's perfect here is born a sinner? And it's like, well, yes, they are. um, Because it won't be long that that baby is going to be screaming for something they want or throwing themselves on the floor and having a fit or stealing a cookie from the cookie jar or lying. That's all that sin nature. Um, And that's what we're born with. So that's really what Jeremiah is touching on, that, you know, our hearts are deceitful and and wicked. Man comes along and says, oh, we all got good hearts and just follow your hearts. No, there's, there's a problem. And that's why we need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Thank you so much. And I I really appreciate and respect this hour. Thank you so much for explaining so many things to all of us. You bet, Arlene. God bless you. Hey, 303-690-3000, the call-in number. Got plenty of time. We're going to continue with the phone lines. Again, the text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Kinsey. Is Kinsey, are you still available? Kinsey? Okay, Kinsey was on the road, and sometimes we get calls. I think it's great. We get calls from truckers or those who are commuting, and they can't always stay on. But she did want prayer, and I want to take the time. Her cousin in the hospital, um, and so we want to just pray for her. Kinsey, if you're listening, I know that you you need to pay attention to driving. Maybe perhaps uh, you reach your destination, but I appreciate you calling. Father, we do pray for Kinsey. As she was driving her cousin in the hospital, um, and Lord, we just pray for healing. We just pray for your touch upon her. We just pray that you would um, minister to her, strengthen her body, uh, bring encouragement. Just be with Kinsey as she ministers to her cousin. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you be with the doctors, the nurses, the medical team. We're so grateful for uh, those in the medical field and their training just help them. But Lord, we pray you are the great physician for your mercy and grace to be upon our cousin. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. And amen. All right. 303-690-3000 call in number. Let's go to Mobile, Alabama. Reggie. Hey, Hello. Reggie. How are you? Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm real inquisitive about the keys to the kingdom. Uh, 
did not Jesus give the keys to the kingdom to Peter? Mm-hmm. And that's over in the 16th chapter and the uh, 19th of verse Matthew. of uh, Matthew. Right. Uh, what, are, what are the keys to the kingdom? Yeah, in Jesus had, um, you know, asked them, and we talked a little bit about this um, as he's up at Caesarea Philippi, and he asked, who do men say that I am? And it was Peter at that time that gave that confession, right, that you're the Christ, the son of the, the living God. And I'm going to read it, read it for the sake of, of the listeners here um, as we look at this. Uh, but, you know, Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Bar." Uh, Jonah, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not prevail against you, and I will give you the keys, he says, to the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, keys were used to unlock something. Now, sometimes people, what they do is they picture Peter. You hear the jokes, don't you, Reggie? Uh, Peter's up with the big desk, you know, um, and he's checking the list to let people in or out of heaven and all of this. And, um, and he, you know, they picture him with the big key to a gate and I'll let you in or not let you in and all of this. Um, but the idea of Peter holding the keys of the kingdom of, of, uh, uh, of heaven has, you know, just uh, been interpreted in a lot of ways um, that, uh, I don't think it's it means that Peter has the authority to admit people into heaven. Uh, Jesus is the judge, right? He is the judge. So we know that it doesn't mean that. Um, I think the idea is it speaks of the apostolic authority coming from Jesus, gives it to Peter, that of the gospel, of upon this confession, I'm going to build my church, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus would say in that upper room that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So that is the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The key is is the confession of Peter, that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so it's not that Peter has the authority to let people in heaven, out of heaven. He's got a big keychain to open up the gate, to let you in, I'll let you in, or whatever, is speaking of the authority that comes from the gospel as we give it to others. And um, and so that's what I think that's what is being spoken of, because he goes on to say that whatever is um, bound on earth, uh, on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, um, the whole idea of binding and loosing is something um, that, that, you know, was uh, the Jewish rabbis at that day use, and they would bound or loose an individual in the application of a particular truth or something. But here, the apostles, again, in their apostolic authority, would set the boundaries of the authority of the new covenant and the gospel that would come, and that the authority given to the apostles and prophets to build a foundation. And so that's what he's talking about. It's really based on the gospel that Jesus Christ is the Son, the, the uh, Christ, the Son of the Living God. Okay, can you uh, give me a moment to let you just see what I was getting out of this and what I was taught? Well, the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven was um, 
Well, you know that a key is a combination. Whenever you mm-hmm. take a key, you know, just like the metal keys, whether they be brass or silver or steel or what, they have notches in the keys. And the notches represent numbers. And that notch... It- you know, Reggie, we just got a few minutes left in the show. I got other callers. So, you know, I'd love to just, you know, be able to take your take on it. But I really need to, um, and I apologize, but I really want to get these other callers in before the end of the show. But look at that and um, and the keys of the heaven. And I know you probably got um, some thoughts on it yourself. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on. And we're going to move on to Melissa in Tennessee. Hi, this is Melissa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Melissa, are you there? Melissa, did I lose you? Okay. You had a great question, Melissa. I'd love for you to call back. and uh, But in the meantime, I'm going to go to Chris and Fort Collins. Chris? Yes, I'm here. Um, How are you? I think you? the wind blew Melissa away. <laughs> <laughs> no, so sometimes we, you know, it drops or something happens, you know, technology. Um, and it's, yeah, windy in Fort Collins and here, so maybe the wind did it. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I got you, so, yeah, what do yeah. you got for me? In Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 1, they talk about these four creatures. And they look very different, and they have the wheels within the wheels. And when you get down to uh, around 20, um, it says the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And so I'm wondering, uh, what is the spirit that they're talking about? And if you could go more into what these creatures are, um, I would appreciate that. You know, I had somebody ask me that question um, today, <laughs> and, but I'm glad you called, Chris. And, you know, in chapter one, um, he's seeing a vision of heaven, and he's seeing these angelic um, beings is what he's seeing. And um, as he, he's describing the these cherubim, the, the living creatures, I would encourage you to go to chapter four, of the book of Revelation, you have these living creatures as well uh, that are mentioned that are that are the four living creatures in the Bible it speaks of seraphims and cherubims. Um, he's describing he's describing um, and it, it's a lot to go through, Chris, and and we you know really can't cover it in the short time that we have. Um, but you know these these angelic beings are moving towards one another in directions. Um, and all of that. So, uh, as these wheels, you're looking at the 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 throne of God, the 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 throne chariot of God is really what it is, is what's being described. And um, when the creatures went in, the wheels went beside them. And Ezekiel writes, "The spirit of the living creature was in the wheel." What does that mean? Um, you know. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure. Um, it, it is. Um, I'd have to look at that more carefully. Um, 
And I think it has to do with the heavenly chariot returning to remove the glory of the Lord from the temple in Jerusalem. Um, but it, it's just speaking of just that the Ezekiel, during his book, he sees the glory of God depart from the temple, but he sees, you know, this, what looks like a thunderstorm at the beginning. And he's describing the, the throne chariot of God and these living creatures um, that was in the wheels. So that's pretty much what he's describing. And I I know that's not detailed, but I'd, I'd have to look at it a little bit more closely for a more Which, detailed answer. I'm wondering if uh, you would be able to do that and, and give me a call I will. To more privately uh, concerning. Yeah. And I will do that. I will certainly okay. do that. And, you know, I taught on that not long ago, um, but I'll have to just relook at that and stuff. But um, you know, it's this incredible vision that he has that he's looking at. And um, so we'll be looking at that and talk about it and go through it and and not be so rushed about it. Does that sound good? Yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay. I appreciate you calling. Well, thank you very much for your uh, time on the air. You bet, Chris. And I'll talk to you soon. Let's see if we can get Melissa in. Is she back? Melissa, here. <laughs> I'm here. How are, how are you? I've got a few minutes I'm left. I know, and good. I'm going to try to get this in real quick. Okay, mine's okay. about the Passover. Is the Passover for the Jews, or is everyone supposed to do it? And I know when the Lord had the Lord's Supper, they were celebrating the Passover, but then they broke the bread, drank the wine for his body and for his blood. So I don't know how that's incorporated, and I need to know when to break the bread, drink the wine, and if I'm supposed to celebrate the Passover. Well, the Passover, you know, everything in the Old Testament speaks of Christ, points to Christ, is fulfilled by Christ. Christ is our Passover lamb. So they were to celebrate. It was to commemorate when they came out of Egypt. And, of course, Passover was instituted when the 10th plague, that they were to take the Passover lamb, they were to um, kill the lamb, spread the blood on the doorposts and lentils of the house, as you read there in the book of Exodus. And then the angel, death angel, passed over that house as the blood was applied. Well, Jesus comes along in the upper room, and he's celebrating Passover, and it's no longer the the you know Passover lamb killed. Now I am the Passover lamb, my body broken for you, and blood shed for forgiveness of sin. And what a lot of churches do is kind of neat is they'll do a Seder, um, they'll do a Passover feast, but then it, it, they'll do it in a way that it points to Christ, it's fulfilled by Christ, who is our Passover lamb, who went to the cross. And as we apply the blood in our lives, then, um, you know, applying that blood, then we pass from death to life, Right. And um, and that's why he's called the Passover Lamb of God by Paul in the epistles. Um, he fulfilled Passover, what Jesus did. So we can celebrate Passover, but Christians celebrate it in a way that we recognize that Jesus is our Passover, that he fulfilled. He's the Passover Lamb that died for our sins once and for all. And that, and as we apply the blood, that is, as we apply it in our lives, believing that he died for our sins and rose again, then we pass from death to life, and that's where it's at. So he institutes the communion, saying it's no longer, you know, the, the lamb in Egypt, 
but now it's my body which is broken and my blood shed for forgiveness of sin in this new covenant that he instituted communion that night. Okay, so I know that they do it in church with uh, some juice and some bread, so when do we do it? You talking communion? You talking communion? Yeah, that. I can't remember what that was called, communion, yes, that. Yeah, it's called the Lord's Supper Communion. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Take of the bread, this is my body broken um, for you. And then take the cup, which is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So, you know, we're to do it. And it's, it's to remember what Jesus Christ did for us as we come to the communion table, that, you know, that's really where, um, you know, we had communion uh, this uh, last Sunday. We do it customarily on the first Sunday of the month. But some churches do it every Sunday. Some churches do it during the week. There's no, um, you know, specific um, amount that you have to do it, just that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I think it's important for us to come to the communion table. You know, God set up certain memorials for us to remember, and it's important for us to remember as we come to the communion table what Jesus Christ did for us in dying for our sins and allowing his body to be broken and his bloodshed for forgiveness of sin. And so he just said, do this in remembrance of me, and it's a good thing to come, the Christian, to the communion table. Hey, thanks, Melissa, and thank you, everybody, at called today, and so appreciate it, and um, God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.